The Incomparable. Number 582. September 2021. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. What Steven Spielberg movie are we watching, everybody? What Are we not? I... There was that one listener who wanted to know if we were going to be covering his his like serious movies. If we were going to cover like Munich, I'm like, no, no, nope. no, I'm not. I liked Munich, nope. and we're no. This is the incomparable podcast. We're not covering Munich. We're not no. going to do it. Instead, <laughs> we're going to do something a little more on brand, namely Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, a 2021 movie theater movie from Marvel that we what? went to movie theaters. And I went to the movie theater for the first time since New Year's Eve of 2019 when I saw Knives Out right before it became 2020 and everything wow. got terrible. And then I went and I saw Shang-Chi and it was uh, a lot of fun. And joining me to talk about a movie from a movie theater are the following people. Kelly Gamont. Hello. Hello. I've got my popcorn. I'm ready to go. Excellent. David J. Lore. Hello. This was the first movie I saw since I went to the theater to see In the Heights, which was the first movie I went to see since seeing Knives Out at the there, end of all 2019. All right. That's fair. And Moises Chuyan. Hi. Uh, hi, Jason. I, I was told that the next time I was on the mothership, if I just nod and don't talk, you'll forget that I'm even here. Anyway, we saw a movie. And although it took yeah. us more than, yeah. more, it took us a little while to, to get to talk about it, here we are talking about it. Hopefully people have seen it uh, out there because we are going to spoil it and, and, and it's fun. Um, but we should start with this is a restarting of Marvel basically after the completion of this, you know, kind of loose at first and then tighter later story set that they started with Iron Man and then ended with the two Avengers movies with you know including culminating in Endgame. And we've had a couple Marvel movies since then, but like this is the movie that feels like they are starting to do something again from from if not from zero starting something anew to a certain extent the next chapter yeah and i think that it's really interesting because um nobody knows who shang chi is but you know what nobody honestly nobody knew who iron man was either nobody did no and but likewise it is a lower tier marvel superhero Mm-hmm. with a background that needs to be reinterpreted for modern audiences. And and so that's their challenge here, is they're going out the door trying to set this up for their next run of movies with two kind of harder-to-sell, not-well-known properties, this and then Eternals, which is coming later. And mm-hmm. I, I think... So I think on one level, there's no pressure here because nobody knows who Shang-Chi is. On another level, there's enormous pressure here because a character nobody knows needs to open a movie and have it be successful and and win audiences over. And I, I kind of wanted to start there with all of you, just you know, going into this, what expectations you have, because I've read some Shang-Chi comics over the years, but like always kind of a B or C list Marvel comic and... And and it was very much a cash gra- a kung fu uh, cash grab in the seventies, right? And, and and, yeah. and yet what they they done with it is it reminded me a lot of the rehab of Iron Man in the in the film where they're like we can make a like a, a version of this character that people really care about and that works on screen, which I think they did. And 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 we have the freedom to do whatever we want with it, basically. Essentially, because, right? That's the beauty yeah, of it. Like the yeah. the people who are the biggest fans of Shang Chi. Uh, don't really care that much about 
the Shang-Chi lore because it's all pretty terrible. Right. And and kind of weirdly written over yeah. over time due mm-hmm. to rights and yeah. licenses and things. There's been a bunch of retcon. Like if if I sit down and ask you, like, what is the deal with Shang-Chi, like from his history, like there's no answer to that question. There is too much. Before this big <laughs> revamp in the Marvel comics, Shang-Chi was basically off-brand Bruce Lee, and yes. that was basically it. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. he had powers and- of Kung Fu Man, and that was that was all there was to it. <laughs> and his dad was Fu Manchu, licensed character, licensed racist licensed character. character. Yeah. <laughs> the various challenges that they had were um if you're gonna use this character, why use this character? If you're gonna re- build this character how are you going to rebuild his origin and for what reasons like in in place of create an all-new asian american uh superhero uh the 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 questions that you know various commentator you know friends of mine have have raised since the movie came out uh, you know a lot of them myself included uh very positive uh, positive on the movie overall uh, in terms of representation and um, uh, you know sincerity when it comes when it comes to cultural uh, elements that are being used, but at the same time, it's still Shang Chi and it still is a character that has a legacy tied to all that Fu Manchu stuff and a bunch of weird yellow peril stuff. The things that I think Dave Callahan and Destin Daniel Cretton did at the conceptual level, um, I think, are, are things that they deserve a lot of credit for. Uh, we've we've discussed talking about other MCU stuff that Kevin Feige has this big, long range overall show running kind of plan for a lot of things, and he said in interviews over the years about how he has plans for the artist formerly known as the Mandarin. John Favreau, going back to the first Iron Man movie, was talking about wanting to use the character uh, in in a future Iron Man film, which he didn't end up directing in the first place. Um, But the way that they introduced him without him actually being a presence on screen as a sort of looming ancient threat was something that, that had a lot of interesting possibility to it that I was really worried about being mishandled. And there are a lot of people who wanted the full Fu Manchu looking dude to show up in Iron Man three. And they were disappointed um, that, that the Mandarin in that movie took the form that it did. And frankly, I love what they did with the Mandarin in Iron Man three. Right. The Ben Kingsley, who's just an, uh, an, an English actor who's been hired to play this Marvel comics esque Mandarin character who is totally a fraud and fake and is just a construct for the misdirect of the movie. It's- I, I, I will I will make a a big opening statement that I will expound upon. Okay, based on all of the volume of media that has come out covering the Darth Vader story to this point, I feel like the story of Wen Wu as an anti hero uh, pseudo redemption arc, um, you know, with fathers and sons mixed into it, is better than Darth Vader at this point. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'll go with that. Interesting. The, 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 okay, Wen Wu. I mean, w- let's start there. Why don't we, it, the, the, the movie starts in Chinese in like in the middle of yeah, a well, wuxia. That's one yeah. thing I wanted to say is, is that I love the fact, and I know some people don't like this, but you know, too bad. I love the fact that there is so much subtitled uh, dialogue yes. in this movie. Me too. That it, that it is not so afraid of subtitles. I mean, it's it's a movie that's mostly in English, but it's got a bunch of stuff that's subtitled, and it's okay. It's okay. It feels right, and and I'm glad that they did it. And we get this story with Wen Wu, who is you know ultimately the bad guy, but he is like so like like good villains. It's a matter of perspective. 
It's a matter of maybe some choices he made that were bad choices. It's it it's way more complicated that you than you would think. And it's it's my favorite kind of villain motivation because it's not about I'm going to rule the world, I'm going to rule the universe, I'm going to destroy the Wah-ha-ha. world. Ha ha, yeah. It's it is a personal, a deeply personal. He's already ruled the world. You know, that doesn't hold anything for him. He's the bad guy coming out of retirement for one more job. This time it's personal. <laughs> and as I'm, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, well, they kind of got this for Mr. Freeze and Batman, the animated series, but it's, it is it's and good. it isn't. And it's really, really good. It's a really good version of that concept. I, I got to give Marvel credit and everybody who worked on this project credit too, because I talked about like when in Iron Man with the mention of the Ten Rings, like... It's a nod to the Mandarin being an enemy of Iron Man, but the way they do it, uh, first off, it's it's kind of a, a a a fake out in that movie, and then in Iron Man uh, three, it is again a fake out, and this is because, of course, the people writing those movies are like, can't actually do the Mandarin; it is horrendously <laughs> racist, right? Yeah. So they do they do the twist, yeah. but coming to this movie, I'm like, all right, yeah, but can you? When I heard that they're like they're going to take it on, I'm like. How that's going to be so like weird and retconny because you're going to have to be like, no, 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 pay no attention to what happened before. And you know what? This is what I wanted to give them credit for is they leaned into it. They hung mm-hmm. the biggest lantern they could on it to the point where, um, again, I said there would be spoilers. Here we are to the point where Ben Kingsley appears and doesn't just appear <laughs> doesn't go away, does not go away for the rest of the movie. He's just in the movie after that point as his character from Iron Man 3, the fake Mandarin, because because Tony Leung is so mad at him for besmirching his name, sort of, kind of. Like, I love that so much that they're like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that stuff you saw, totally true. And he's and, and when Wu, he's mad about it. I love it. And, and I loved, I, I saw an interview with the writer and the director where they were talking about um, this is a version of Ben Kingsley's character who has been through prison. He's been there for a decade. He's come out a good person. He's, he's atoned for his sins. And they, they wanted to do that too. And that's a really interesting story that's just sort of off on the side yeah. in all this. When you want to make that character this complex, uh, I, I I think one of the best choices they made was cast one of the greatest, most charismatic actors on the planet. No kidding. Tony <laughs> Leung, who'd never done a Hollywood yes. movie before, never played a bad guy before. Um, and, you know, Jason, as you said, a bad guy? Some of Earth's best actors are in this movie. It's amazing. The complexity with which he plays the character is, yes, he was a horrendous warlord for hundreds of years and did all of these terrible things. And it it is very much a a fable-like, I mean, there are lots of fairy tale elements of this. I'm sure that we will Mm -hmm. probably make some mention of Willow before we're done, um, because there are elements of Willow in this movie. Um, But the, 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 the whimsy approach of what happens to the eternal warlord who has everything when he finds the one thing he was missing, which yeah. is true love and letting that transform him and change him. And he owns all of the horrible things that he did and all the aspects of it. Right. Because it's, it's his family and his wife. And so his motivation is trying to bring his wife back from the dead, but also his kind of entrance into the world, his, his kind of 
for a basically a mortal character to grant mortality, to be granted mortality, it's not just losing his wife, it's having his children, right? And that's our main character is one of his children. So it's this perfect combination of like that 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 moment where he comes sort of out of his immortal shell and becomes part of the world in a different sense is the thing that simultaneously creates our main character and also creates the thing that makes him our villain which is a really nice bit of construction. It's it's really yeah. you're, you're right Moises. It's it's incredibly well done and then to have a great actor like Tony Leung do it like spare no spare no expense, right? Like this is uh they did a really great job and 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 that's the having a good villain is such a great elevator. Like so many so many villains in movies like this are just wahaha kind of maniacs yeah. like uh like like jeff bridges who's a great actor in iron man you know yeah he's just kind of really greedy and power hungry but when you get something yeah. like michael b jordan as killmonger and black panther you're like oh i kind of like him mm-hmm. i kind of agree yeah. with him but he he's has the villain, some points right and tony yeah. young is you empathize with him so much in this movie yeah and because it's not even that that he believes his wife is being held captive in this village. It's that he hears her. She's talking yeah. to him. And yeah. that's driving it's him tragic, crazy. Right. And he's not willing to listen to the people that he says he's doing this for, which is the rest of his family. When they go to Everyone him and they're like, lying to him. dude, this is not what's happening. And they go yeah. like his son goes to him after the after a a um uh a show stopping reunion, we'll call it. Um Hmm. They, which was so much fun. Like that was one of the great things about this movie was like all of the action sequences, but he goes to him and he's like, that is not what's happening. And he can't listen to him and he's not there and he doesn't believe him and doesn't like give any weight to what it is his son is telling him. And it's because he still has that memory of, of when she died and, and saying you were there, Mm -hmm. you didn't stop it. I'm not listening to you. Yeah, you as a small child yeah. didn't stop it. Like as right. as much work uh, went into rehabilitating the character as a person. At the end of the day, when you think about it, yeah, there, there's still some stuff about him that wasn't so great. You know, the misogyny that'd be one. Yeah. Um, the infantilization uh, of his son mm-hmm. uh, for two uh, and three. He he never quite stopped being the warlord in charge of everything with a sense of manifest destiny. It, it, it was yeah, always there, simmering under the surface. And it really takes until his final moments in the movie. Now, now we're spoiling way ahead. <laughs> when you're an immortal warlord with ten um, incredibly powerful uh, power rings, every problem looks like something that you can smash with your warlord powers <laughs> and power rings, right? I think that's part that's of fair. his problem. Yep. Part of it in in watching them interact, like over the course of the film, it also sort of felt like you know. Um, he like he couldn't be there for his kids and so you know he like i guess after a fashion if you look at it from a certain point of view uh it's like he buried himself in his work by turning his son into an assassin so he like buries himself in his work it was really interesting to see right from the get-go you know who we're dealing with here this dude has been around for thousands of years with these fabulous accessories like that i mean that was the thing that was really impressive Mm. 
Bad dad, warlord dad. <laughs> That's the theme of 2021, bad dads. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we, we talk a lot over on MCU TV about um, daddy issues in, Mar- in the mean, Marvel the, universe. Yeah, da- Marvel Comics, That's a.k.a. daddy are. issues comics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so like we talk about that a lot, and we also talk a lot about Killmonger because we love him because he's an interesting villain because he has some good points, and you right. kind of want to agree with him, and then he goes about what he thinks he needs to do to right the wrong, and you go, ooh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, Killmonger is one of those villains who he has some points, but then there's an entire episode of What If where it's like, but they are very limited in scope. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also, I have that moment, and this is one of those funny things when you're in a movie with this kind of setting where he's like, no, my dead wife, but she's actually alive behind, in this cave behind this wall and I have to go to her. And they're like, no, 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 that's not true. And he's like, but is it true that my wife is from another dimension and there's a portal there and there's a dragon who lives under the lake? And they go, well, yeah, that part's true. He's like, well, then yeah, why, then should, why couldn't she be behind the door? It's like, no, no, <laughs> yeah. no. No, that's too far. <laughs> but the rest is a bridge too far. Yeah. So it's hard, right? It's hard for 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 Wenwu to parse out, and he really wants it to be true, and it's it's his grief and his blaming himself for it, and the whole. This thing. is plausible, but that no, that's not plausible. <laughs> I'm an eternal warlord with with magic bracelets that's been around for a thousand years, but the whole dragon scale door thing is, is too big of a leap. Tell me what's not possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the fact that we could literally spend the entire show talking about Wenwu Mm -hmm. is one of the things that I think um, the movie has on its side more than anything is that Tony Leung does most of the heavy lifting in the movie and Simu Liu he he is not having to carry the entire mantle of the thing on his own shoulders and that we start the movie with this front-loaded chunk of of Tony Leung's uh, smoldering charm um, that is something that, you know, we, we go on the fumes of that for the whole movie. And this isn't a slight against Simu, but it, 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 this is, this is a different kind of origin story than they've done yeah. previously where it is fleshing out the world of the character. And now the character has arrived and you know what his deal is. And yeah. you're wondering what, what this dude is going to do next which I find in stark contrast to the recent Mortal Kombat movie where I still could <laughs> care less about the main guy in that movie. And this is why I I love this. This is easily one of my top Marvel films now. Me too. Like, it It's just because it's not the same formula. It's not the same sandbox. Thank God. We talk a lot and we've covered because of we did the, the summer of Marvel, what, like last year, two years ago. Um, <laughs> I can only remember Steven Spielberg movies now, but anyway, uh, we've we've covered them all. And one of the recurring themes is that what they have learned to do is experiment with genre within the Marvel superhero genre. Right. So, so, not you know they haven't they haven't well I was gonna say they haven't done a romantic comedy they kind of did Wandavision on Disney Plus but uh, they they have experimented with genre and and it's started you know sometimes it was a little subtle like winter soldier is one of those paranoid 70s i mean robert redford's in it right it's like it, it's yeah, that it's kind of three days three days of the condor yeah exactly except with bucky um this <laughs> and so you get to shang chi and, and you're like as i was watching it i'm sitting there thinking of all the conversations we've all had and and thinking to myself yes <laughs> like marvel opening up to be able to say we're gonna make a marvel movie it is a superhero movie, but you know, it's also going to be a m- kind of a fantasy mystical movie. 
And it's also going to be a kung fu movie, damn it. There's going to be fights yeah. and kicking and punching. And it's going to, we're going to just roll it all in and we're going to embrace it. And that's why I feel like structurally, I think very interesting. I think the best sequence in the whole movie is at the beginning and not at the end. The end is mm-hmm. good. It's a, you know, it's marvelly, but the end, the yes. end is an interesting template for a ride that I'm sure is coming to Disney World in 2026. Oh yeah, it's it's called <laughs> uh, like SFT or something. It's the it's Marvel Universe's fake Muni, but it's San Francisco Muni bus uh, fight. Yeah, with oh, with Simu Lu. Razor Fist. Yeah. I kept wanting to call him Taser Face, and yeah. I know yeah, that's I know. the wrong Marvel it's a guy. Different, different guy. <laughs> and like th- this sequence and everything else in the movie is is owed to uh, an action director. Uh, you know, stunt coordinator is the official title and whatever. But in Hong Kong cinema, they are action directors. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who worked on the Jackie Chan stunt team and has worked on some of the best stunt sequences of the last 30, 40 years um, that you, you don't necessarily know Brad Allen's name, but this this was his last big movie. Um, before passing and that bus sequence the reason it feels so much like those like rumble in the bronx Mm -hmm. like iconic jackie chan um stunt sequences and stuff that you saw in you know before he he broke out big in the states is is because one of the things that marvel has gotten especially good at is hiring really well yeah not just Mm -hmm. the headline talent names but the people that are putting together every aspect all the way down and yeah you see it is Dynamite. Like, it is legitimately one of the best action sequences I have seen in years. And that includes all Absolutely. of the giant budget movies. And and I, I yeah. grant you, it is people on a bus, right? And yet, it is so brilliantly done. That, and, and it is... It is... Like, well, like you have that moment where I, I mean I had that little out of body experience where I'm like I am watching a Marvel movie that is also gonna just do a big kung fu ish fight scene and they're happening it's the same movie are you getting it yet like it's the same thing <laughs> and and it's just like that yes Marvel this is what you should do like that you just it's so good they just n- nailed it it's the perfect mixture of all of those things this scene does what Marvel Comics has always done best, which is taking something that we know. We we have all ridden buses. We have all been... <laughs> In San Francisco, I think, <laughs> as a matter of fact. We may have, yes. But, you know, we've all been on mass transit, and this is literally... You can imagine being on that bus. You can see, you know, oh my God, this could happen to me. And it's, you know, it's the Uh-oh, way. Oh, it's one of those articulated buses. I hope they. I hope something doesn't happen. That <laughs> I hope it doesn't separate. Oh no! <laughs> Which I have thought every time I've been on an articulated bus. And you know, it's like how Peter Parker was such a breath of fresh air after Clark Kent because. I can't imagine being a super baby from another world who grows up to be a a journalist, but I'm that teenager, right? I can identify with that. And that's what Marvel does best. And this fight sequence is just so brilliantly orchestrated to, to put you there. The rest of the fights in this, great fights. That's why that one I think is just so dynamic because yeah, kind of I could be in that. The rest of them need to happen as plot transitional elements, and this one yes. has storytelling beats built into it. Where not only are we seeing his hyper competence as a fighter, we're learning, uh, a, you know, Razor Fist as a character to the extent that we need <laughs> to life, know the, his loves, the deep his, insights of, yep. of Razor Fist. <laughs> um, you know, the many loves of Razor Fist. <laughs> He's got a glowy thing, and he wants to stab you. That's all we really <laughs> we got, need to know. We, we get to see. We get to see Shang-Chi and Katie uh, team up for the first time. We get to see how, you know, they don't just work together, but they are in sync. And we get to see her 
going, what the hell is going on? Aquafine, everybody. Also, oh, again, so again, in this. I think that this is that secret sauce, too, is everybody now knows that Marvel is just huge and and just makes all these giant movies with all this money and that a lot of people are like, like, yeah, I'll do a Marvel movie, sure. And she, yeah. you know, she, Aquafina, like, she's great. She's doing her thing and yeah. she's adding a level of humanity and a level of comedy uh, and and like mm-hmm. just put her in the big sandwich that they're making here. It's great. It's so, so good. They're able to say, you know what? We could have cast anyone in this role. We're going to cast we'll get the best. Let's get the best. Why the heck? Why I mean, the heck not? Yeah. Well, and I mean, at this point, who's going to, like you said, you know, who's going to say no? But like, we get not very far into this movie before we get Michelle Yeoh doing wire work. And I uh, just like, I yeah. just sat there and went, um, cause like it was it, the, the society <laughs> here was starting to turn. And I was like, maybe it's not the best idea to get to go to a movie, but I really want to go to a movie. And if I'm going to go cash in my chips on a movie, it's going to be this one. And as soon as I saw that <laughs> moment, I went, I chose wisely. Yep. And they're like, no, we're not yeah. afraid. We got all the we got all the pieces. We got all the parts. It's so confident. And yeah. the other piece of that is that this is still kicking in the door of what a Marvel movie can be. Like we saw it with Black Panther. We saw it with Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, you know, not everything has to be Iron Man in order to be a Marvel movie. And, you know, now we can make a heist movie and now we can make a body movie and now we can make a Kung Fu movie. People who go to Marvel movies, you know, it feels like they're expecting a certain thing. And, you know, in some ways, some of the movie delivers on this, like the whole third reel is, you know, the great big fight scene. But there are some really nice moments within it that work really well that are things that, we, you know, we get out of Marvel movies, but we get them through this filter and it's the the magical realism and the underwater dragon and you know the the voice is calling and morris like we have not said anything yet about morris oh Um, i loved morris (laughs) uh somebody was was showing posters like did you see that all the characters from shang chi got posters and i'm like give morris a poster you cowards and he went oh no no they did look and he got his own poster it was great (laughs) so it was like like there are so many pieces of this movie that were things that I really that I really enjoyed and I think part of it was because it felt like it was made by people who loved Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon and Rumble in the Bronx and uh uh IP Man movies and like all of those like w- you know watching all of those and going like what if we did that with a dude from a comic book and then you know Marvel was like cool go to town and like that's what it feels like like all of this and i think part of part of why t- people talk so much about loving it is because you could feel the love and the care that went into all of this yeah there's a lot of cgi too but you can feel the care and the attention that was paid to all of this to like all of the fight scene in the bus right down to the doofus who puts it on twitch or whatever that was having all of those moments was really really great kelly's revealed by the way that the c and cgi stands for care now we know. There's a lot of CG in the movie, sure. But like MSG, uh, it is mostly a myth uh, that, that a whole bunch of CG yeah. is necessarily it's bad. It's not bad thing. for you. No. Too, too much and too obvious CG. Too much can give you a headache. Yeah, exactly. But it makes things taste better. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, too much salt is too much salt. Duh. But, you know, no salt, <laughs> no flavor, no mommy. The big thing for me is knowing that the creatives behind the movie... Um, were people that were putting together a script where, you know, we're over at Katie's place and her mom is is telling uh, Sean as Sean, in Sean mode Sean, uh, to sit yeah. down and have some Joe. <laughs> and we don't have to explain what Joe is. We don't have to I- explain yeah. 
um, any of the Chinese words that people are saying. We don't have to beat people over the head with, and this is this is how Chinese people are, and these are the Chinese mm-hmm. people stereotypes. The kind of crap that is, you know, th- that used to be all that we got of yes. Asian Americans, Asian Canadians, people from the yeah. Asian diaspora in different movies. And, you know, to a bunch of white people who mostly know like wuxia, you know, wirework movies from Crouching Tiger, the assumption is, oh, well, this must have been based on Crouching Tiger stuff. And there's a whole plethora of different movies that that they were using as touchstones that people aren't even aware of. So like there are quotes throughout the movie in terms of the action, in terms of the staging, in terms of the myth making and all that kind of stuff that that bridges you know, not just Chinese cinema, but Chinese mythology, um, and does it right and, and does it for the right reasons. Um, and I, w- we've mentioned various members of the cast. Um, and you know, like, it, it was great to see Benedict Wong for 12 seconds, uh, in the middle of the movie. And then at the end of the movie, <laughs> yeah. uh, but my man, Ronnie Chang, Ronnie Chang just I, showed up right? Right? and just I got, slayed right? me. I, I actually had his IMDP page open cause I was going to mention him. I was like, <laughs> I was all warmed up to say Ronnie Chang for the daily show. There he is. He's been, he's, he's, he was in some bad movies. Now he's getting to be in good movies too. It's great to see him. He's the, he's the, like the hype man for, for uh, Shang-Chi's sister and the various fights that she's putting on. Uh, great little great little part from a great, uh, fun uh, actor. Uh, that was so good to see him. And and they ga- you know they gave him a bunch of good stuff to work with. Yeah. And as a, as a comedian with heavy improv skills, I'm sure that plenty of the stuff that came out of his mouth yep. just came right off of the top of his head. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd like to think that they scripted giving him uh, the line, uh, I speak ABC, which... Again, yes. they didn't explain, but meant I speak American-born Chinese, uh, not not ABC is in you know ABC English or something. Um, but I, I again, like I love those things that they just dropped in there for people who got them. And if you didn't get them, doesn't matter. Whatever, maybe you'll figure it out later. Doesn't matter. Uh, not everything has to be for every person. It gave me the feel of walking into someplace in Chinatown and like I'm not I'm I'm a white guy. I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get a lot of it, but you know what? I don't. De- I don't need to demand that they explain everything to me, right? Like it's like we'll get along. It, it'll be fine. It'll work it out. I'm. I'm not. I'm not in here for me. I think that was part of the point of view that I appreciated was like they didn't make this movie to explicitly cater to me sitting here in Oregon. Like that's not what's happening. I like having that. That actually gives me a good feeling of like I'm going to assume that this is authentic. But don't explain it to me. Like it's, I'm okay. I am enjoying this. I don't need to have all this stuff explained to me. It's it's nice that it's not explained to me. It's nice that I'm getting a win. Like imagine if films were a uh, a tool to allow you to see other perspectives just for a moment imagine that <laughs> anyway this just a, just a thought well, yeah instead of going well yeah. now that you've watched this movie you know everything about chinese culture oh. so uh oh, so act Done. like you do white people there. go forth and, and preach these stereotypes and tropes i have a chinese friend <laughs> shang chi uh-huh yeah sure you do <laughs> he's fictional and we've never met but yeah but we did meet in the theater <laughs> we, we've sort of meandered over to the golden daggers club uh, yeah. now yep. which which brings us to the person who stole the whole damn movie uh, which is Xia Ling, uh, played by Mangar Zhang. Uh, yep. Who wasn't she amazing? Is incredible. Just, is incredible. Oh, man. And it's her what her first film too. Yep. First movie. Yeah. I just I can't wait to see all of the stuff they spin off from this one because I want to watch her in like an office, like a work comedy that is her job now. At the, that she has at the end of the movie. I want to watch that. I want to watch Razor Fist have to like teach a bunch of little girls to be butt kickers. And I want to watch <laughs> like, I want to watch Wong keep having to like 
rein Katie in because she goes off on some darn fool quest. And, like, oh, I want to see I love, I all love of this happen. Like, I'm here for all of that. And I don't care how much of it is subtitled and I don't care how much of it is references that I don't get because I'm not an Asian person. I don't care. The parts I get are awesome and I love them and I will watch them more than once. So what I like about going to Shaoling is that the way that it's put the movie knows what it's doing here but it, it does a nice misdirect for the audience which is oh no they know where she lives Sean has to go save his sister yep um well one <laughs> uh you are leading them to her but two uh, she doesn't need to be saved by you right like it's just it, if you meet her and you're like oh um we're gonna go right like she's you're fine you're just and she's awesome but it, it's it's just a great moment where they're like this is where she is this this is there's gotta be a, nope there's no mistake that's who she is it's a it's a great little moment and then <laughs> before you have much time to think uh there's a fight and then there's an extended action sequence out on a whole bunch of uh scaffolding that is also also great i mean it's no bus sequence but it's a very good i mean what is very very good action set piece it's maybe the second best sequence though it's a it's beautifully choreographed really done well yeah it's so good yeah well and the thing i love about when we meet her is that we go to the place and we like you said they know what they're doing uh we go to the place and we find out it's a fight club so of course everything is like oh well we have to save her from the pits well, which is terrible because but, this poor girl could only be a contestant in all of this she couldn't be the boss and then she shows up like mm, and it's all because right. no one talked about it yeah i loved the moment of like of like yeah you know why i'm here cuz i run things and that moment of just and then watching everybody like oh and now yeah. we have and and now oh bamboo scaffolding we're off and running again you know so, like unless you really think about it the amount of flashbacks that are in this movie are, the, are it, it is the quantity that people usually complain about and we don't complain about it and it's practically invisible to us oh. because we only get the flashbacks and granted we open with one we open mm. in the past but they they are camouflaged by i mean like like a good improv scene partner they only enter the scene when they need to when they are needed yes. and they get in what they need to and they're done like we get you know shang and and Ling, uh you know playing family ddr night with mom and dad yeah uh, <laughs> and like we get those like Pixar montage moments that fill in those gaps and fill in and flesh out who these people are again without relying on stereotyping without um you know going to tropes um and just letting people be people um and I, it 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 jumps back to the more normal part of their lives before this incredibly heightened you know plane of existence where one of them's running a fight club where Wong and <laughs> Abomination are punching each other silly um you know <laughs> and then we jump back cool. to wong abomination punching each other silly and there we are there is nothing indulgent about these flashbacks there is no fat in this part of the movie it's just so artfully done they trust you to follow all the all the uh chinese mythology and and all of the chinese life they trust you to follow the marvel mythology because they do a really good job of explaining the things you need to know if you haven't seen all the rest of the movies but there are lots of things that are layered in there if you have right like 
if you don't know that's the abomination, you're just like, what the hell is that? And if you know, you go, hey, that's really cool. <laughs> so I like this movie a lot. I I would say that one of my criticisms is not that the flashbacks aren't good, but I feel like maybe there are too many of them. Yeah. And as the movie so I, I, yeah. as the movie rolls along, that. there are several moments where I'm like, oh, are we are we building more backstory? Like, I I I almost wish more of it was front loaded, and I don't. I'm not asking for in the past there was a prophecy that kind of like with, <laughs> with, with titles Fear and all. Fear is the mind killer, <laughs> right? I, I I don't. I mean, I don't want that, but I, I just thought like I I like the flashbacks. They're good, yes. but there's a moment as we get toward the last third of the movie. I feel like the movie fails to pick up as much speed as it should because it makes us stop to learn Mm -hmm. more about the past. And I wish it was, uh, you know, having only seen it once, I can't diagnose this further, but that that was my feeling. I've seen it twice and I I agree with you. And there's one thing specifically in toward the end of the movie that I'll point to, which is when Sean says, oh, you remember how I said that I didn't go and kill the guy? I killed the guy. Um, yeah. they could have done that to avoid probably a couple of the, of the flashbacks later in the movie. But the, what it bothered me in the same way after the first viewing didn't bother me as much the second viewing, because again, like it was almost like we were getting, you know, parts of a fairy tale. It didn't bug me. At, it didn't bug me as much or more the second time, uh, than it did right after the first viewing. It's also a movie you've already seen. Right. And I do wonder if part of my, my feeling about it is on first viewing, I'm kind of being carried along with the plot and mm-hmm. and and late in the game the movie's like stop let me tell you some more backstory and i'm like god i want to know the plot and the second time be like i know what happens just <laughs> tell me the backstory it's rich and compelling and i want to know it and, and and so it's really very much a first viewing kind of thing and it's a, i know it's a very particular thing that i'm doing here because i'm really talking about the pacing not the quality of the sub of the of the flashbacks because the, they are good i just that was my one of my notes as I left the yeah. theater was like, I feel like there was maybe one too many flashbacks toward the end of the movie. That's all. See, my my thing, I didn't mind that so much on the first viewing uh, because I knew it was going to be building to a giant CGI fight and I kind of <laughs> wanted plot and I was okay with plot with the humans. And, and then, you know, we get to the end of the flashbacks and there's a great big CGI fight and it's well done. It's fine. You know, I, I don't I don't have a problem with it. But it was, that's how it ended. Yeah, I, the breaking up the big CG, you know, ultimate battle kind of thing a, a bit is what on that second viewing I felt kind of helped. I, I should mention, I, I, I didn't say this up front, but so the first screening I saw was in, uh, you know, some garbage mall AMC theater at a press screening. Are you then, giving us a flashback? Yes, indeed. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a flashback into the third act. And then the second time I saw it, I saw it in Dolby Cinema at a different garbage AMC theater. Um, but Dolby Cinema having the incredible, you know, picture and sound um, mm-hmm. stuff. Like yeah. the, the better quality you can see this movie on the big screen. Um, I, 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 I feel like it Marvel it, it benefits sure. Marvel movies more than just about any other thing because they are such technically proficient things you don't want to go somewhere where they underlight their bulbs on the screen or they you know (laughs) crank their sound down or don't uh you know crank up the the subwoofer or something um it's something that it wasn't just the the second time around which you know helped the flashbacks kind of in the way that um if you've gone on the haunted mansion at one of the disney parks and you go a second time or a third time or an 11 millionth time you're looking in the corners 
you're looking in the corners, yeah. you're looking at those little details, and that's that's where I was able to enjoy the flashbacks more instead of focusing on okay another flashback. Come on, what are we doing? Um, that, yeah. that's what, that's what did it for me was, was the second viewing. And uh, like David mentioned earlier, this is, this is catapulted into one of my top MCU movies, bar none. And I expect to watch it a lot more. Um, me and too. that's, that's what I like about the, the way that the movie structured is, yeah, there's a little bit of the theme park ride thing, which is kind of the way that a lot of big budget movies mm-hmm. are pre-visualized and built mm-hmm. these days. Um, but it's a ride I enjoy going on. There, there is yeah. that stuff in the corners. There are those details. You're going to get in your luxury SUV and you're going to go through the trees that all bend. The all electric SUV, which I thought was very entertaining. Cause I'm like, how are they going to get home? And then you're going to get to Talo. That's how it's going to be. It's going to be fine. Like what was the range on that? Was it charged? Magic. I think I appreciated all the other fight sequences kind of more than the big one at the end, but I did appreciate that it felt a little a little bit better paced than a lot of them do because like I have ADD and like when I can't keep up with a fight sequence you have a problem and like this one felt at least a little bit better paced in that way like because there was actual plot advancement mm, happening in the midst of all the other stuff and there was there was plot advancement and there were stakes and character advancement as well not just the plot but like characters coming to conclusions and making decisions and having things happen to them and how, you know what their reaction is now versus what it would have been in the first reel and and all of that stuff happening too was great this gives us people and and not all superpowered yes. people yes right and and you have that intense dynamic between shang chi and wen wu you have that that you know crashing realization when he realizes oh it's not my wife the sage advice from the aging elder don't die don't yeah. die, which that is the, yeah. I, that was maybe my favorite line. It's just, you know, <laughs> don't die. And <laughs> he keeps going. <laughs> and you care about all those people in the village who you barely know. I love the village. Just to back up, yes. Yeah, so Talo, they get, they escape uh, the clutches of Wen Wu, right? And uh, with with Trevor. In the Razor Fist mobile. Yes, with, Tra- yes, with Trevor Slattery. <laughs> Uh, there's yeah they they escape the garage. No one will be seated during the parking garage <laughs> in, escape scene. In in the Razor Fist mobile, which right. we can say because it's plainly labeled yeah. in multiple places. And they're going to go to the magical place of Talo. And this is one of those things that I that I mentioned when I talked about genres. Is that this movie is is a bunch of different genres. It, it is including being a kung fu movie at, at various points, but it is a fantasy movie. And for those who are, who think of fantasy as being kind of European swords and sorcery and all of that, like, okay, it's not that kind of fantasy movie. It is. They go to a fantasy dimension with flying dragons and a, a, a village that's living in harmony. And this is where mom comes from. And there's magical creatures there, including... Uh, Morris, who was mentioned Morris. earlier, who is uh, Trevor Slattery's only friend in jail, is Morris, the uh, weird creature that has no face but is adorable nonetheless. <laughs> and uh, this is where Michelle Yeoh is, and because she's the aunt, she's the sister of the of the mom, right? Yeah, she's the aunt. Yeah. So, and, and then we get our big showdown here, right? And so it gets to combine again, you know. It's a Marvel movie. They're compiling movie tropes and put and spinning them out in fun fashion. So here we get the uh, village that is being uh, prepared for battle, <laughs> uh, which is a classic. 
uh, and 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 we get to learn a little bit about Talo, and and this is where uh, the the kid's mom comes from, and they've never really understood that, and so there's this connection with the mother side of the family because the dad has been so dominant for for so long, um, and we get all of that, and then we ultimately get this battle where the um, they are going to attack the village, uh, the forces from Wenwu. He's going to try to free his wife, who's actually going to be a horrible demon, basically, that's behind that in that cave. And then ultimately, um, in the in the uh, oh, he they the father and son confront each other. Um, Changshi ends up in the water, but guess what? I, I waited the whole movie. I'm like, there's totally a dragon under the water, right? There's they mentioned earlier there's like, oh, the legends of this and a dragon, and they're like, dragon, ha. And I'm like, there's totally a dragon. Come on. Well, early in the movie, they're like dragon stuff. They mentioned a dragon. I think- Eyes of a dragon. Dragon, <laughs> dragon, 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 Shanglong, 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 Shanglong. But it's such a great moment where he goes in the water and they're like there it is, and uh, then the flying dragon comes out, and they uh, the, they do battle. And the dragon is awesome. This is your fantasy. So, so first off, the spin of yes, it's a Marvel movie where there's a bunch of there's a big CGI fight at the end. Okay, but like, but it's a Marvel like fantasy movie with a flying dragon, and yeah. and they, oh, they earned it. And the connection, and we get to the tragedy of the guy uh, who teaches Aquafina how to shoot arrows. Wangbo, uh, yes. yeah, and he and he dies, and it's very sad, right? It's and like, and played yeah. by played by uh, played by Yen, who I I I, I, sh- I I will call out like every single person who's in this movie <laughs> because I've got like six different things uh, to to love them for. Uh, early in the movie, when we're in uh, Sean's uh, depressing mm. little garage apartment, there's a Kung Fu <laughs> Hustle poster up, and Yen played the landlord in Kung Fu Hustle, <laughs> and he like he's been doing stunts going back to Bruce Lee movies, um, and has been around. In, you've seen him in a bunch of different stuff i'm sure yeah. that you have oh yeah uh but he he shows up and he's got i don't know like seven lines or something but that's all he needs that's all oh, yeah. he needs he, he to, oh, to make you love him amazing. and then make you very sad when he dies and be yes. have aquafina yeah. be super affected by that when she's firing her arrows and all of that like yeah so mm-hmm. so you get like the last act here is just a full-on fantasy movie right like it really is and i love that i love i love that about it so if 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 you say yeah I mean, in a way, you could say it's the big climax, like all the Marvel movies are, but it's not because it's it's got all the explosions and people, you know, and 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 people dying and stuff like that. But it's got the confrontation between Shang Chi and 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 Wen Wu. Um, it's got uh, Aquafina learning, you know, to do the, to fire arrows and then being very sad when her mentor dies. It's got the big fight. It's got the, it's got the amazing moment where they say to their enemy, uh, look, it's a giant monster and we're all going to die. And they're like, oh yeah, I guess we should fight together then, which is just, oh, hey. it's just a great moment. Like there's so much yeah. in here. It's just, it, it, the movie shifts into another gear and it is not my favorite part of the movie because the beginning of the movie is so great, but it's good. And it works for me, and I love that you. They drive through that portal basically, and until the very, very last thing in the movie, you, we're just gonna we're gonna be over here in Talo now, where there's dragons and and stuff, and uh, it's just it's really well done. I love that we that we stayed there basically the rest yeah. of the movie. It was really yeah. nice to get to to get to be familiar with it and learn more about it, and like watch all these people interact with each other and just sort of get a peek at what life is like there in the village. Um, I can't wait to walk through that in Disney World and uh, go to the the snack bar 
you know, where, where we can go, you know, get like, like arrows with, you know, chunks of meat on the end of them or something. And it's going to be great. And, and it was a lot of fun because it felt like we were actually spending time there and getting, getting a better idea of the environment and, and, and learning about like all of these people and the mythology and, and by extension, learning more about, um, uh, Shang-Chi and his family and and finding out you know what that piece of him was like because that's a big part of the rest of you know, the rest of the movie uh, which which isn't a whole lot at that point but finding out more about you know uh, bringing balance to the force you know to take it back to uh, a movie that I grew up watching and appreciating and and you know him having to manage both sides of himself in order for the in order to be able to come out ahead in this big showdown with the big bad guy at the end, which happens to be his dad. Oh no, and and being able to sort all of that out, uh, but ha- but being able to follow along with all of it too, I think was a lot of of what made that interesting, and and being able to keep up and and in, and enjoy everything that was happening along happening along the way. And I, I've said this many times on the show that one of the hallmarks for me of something is that if it surprises me, that's a good thing. It holds my interest. And if it keeps surprising me, that's even better. If it upends tropes, if it plays with tropes, if it, if it zigs when you think it's going to zag, that's, that's always good for me. And this did that throughout. It took things that you thought you knew where, where they were going and mm-hmm. nope, they flip them on you. And it's just so artfully done. Yeah. And that was the other thing about it was it was there was not look at us. We had a good idea. You know, <laughs> like it was just right. it was right. just um, here we are. And it says that there's a big left turn ahead. And hey, we just went to the right. Uh, OK, all the this is moved. what we're doing now. Yeah, uh-huh. this is what we're doing now. And <laughs> that was really another part of the fun of it, because there wasn't a lot of showing off in any of the at any of those points it wasn't hey look what we did and it was just this is what's happening like you know like we were talking about earlier like nothing slowed down to explain asian culture to white people and i didn't need it explained and i also didn't need like look what we just did there by turning this regular this standard trope inside out like i didn't need any of that and they didn't give me any of that and it was great the tropes they did traffic in were well if you're going to drive military vehicles into a fantasy paradise you're probably the bad guy mm-hmm. and something right. terrible is about to <laughs> right. happen like yes. those kinds of things they did those and i didn't mind i mean yeah. have we seen have we seen it in you know fern gully and like a billion other things sure avatar sure. you know there they also did the really nice combination where first our heroes drive their car the, the Razor Fist Mobile into the right. town, and the, like the whole village comes out, and they're like, "What is this?" And what they're is like, this? What hey, on earth is it's happening? Shang, I, I, I'm back, and they're like, "Oh, okay." But it's like that, that, and and uh, Trevor Slattery is here with. Oh, look, you brought back Morris. That's great. Uh, and then the the be, you know all the bad cars come, and it's like dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's just it's lots of lots of nice. I don't know, almost whimsical. Like, don't, this movie, this movie is really good and it's really fun, but I don't feel a movie like this could totally take itself too seriously, right? Like, there, another yeah. flashback, the legends continues of, oh, let me tell you when Wu and the, the Ten Rings were, and like, I don't, I never really felt like this movie 
bought like was was breeding its own PR. Like it, it feels like it's just having fun and it knows that it's a fun movie. And and yeah. I, I really appreciate it's, that about it totally. Being super serious in Marvel movies is for bad guys and ancient times. Yeah, yeah. don't do it. It's it's a it's a movie that can afford to buy Ben Kingsley as comic relief. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's pretty pretty ballsy. pretty good. And, and the, the writer and the director trust the audience to go with them. Yep. And we do. And it's so worth it. It's so much fun. In fact, so that, that brings me to the end of the movie where uh, there's a good callback where they're, uh, they're out at, at dinner. With, with Sue the Buzzkill and her husband, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, these people again. And uh, Wong makes one of his little spinny, fiery portals and says, so I need you. Uh, Shang-Chi, you must come now. And and, and he's like, yeah, and I got to Also, I need to drink this cocktail. Yeah, I got I to gotta go, guys. I got I got the magic guy who wants to talk to me about some stuff. This after they don't believe yeah. the magical fantasy right. story. And then, yeah. oh, oh, I guess that might be true. You drove into a meadow full of unicorns in an electric BMW? Yeah, Come sure. on. Right. That sounds like product placement to me. Well, it is technically, but <laughs> um the but what what I think is interesting about the end of this movie is that the end is sort of like, uh, but don't forget it's a Marvel movie in a fun way because it plays off the scene they set up before and it's Wong and that's fine. But like we get that mid-credit sequence where uh Bruce Banner and and Captain Marvel are talking to him. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting because that was in a very short amount of time. They basically have to say, all right, how does this fit? How do we reconcile this with everything else that's going on? And I like, I really liked it because at this point I love these characters because I've seen this movie and I really liked it. And then I'm yeah. seeing two familiar characters and they're having a conversation. I'm like, ah, oh, all my friends are chatting with each other. It's great. Um, but, but still it is that moment, right. Where they're like, don't forget that this is a franchise. And I thought it worked pretty well. Um, but it Mm -hmm. it is, I I also found it a little bit jarring, not in a bad way, but just in like, oh, right. Marvel. Right. (laughs) Which I think is a success. If you, if you have to be reminded that you're watching a Marvel movie, I think that's pretty good. The the craziest theory I saw actually came from, uh, the parts that were sort of them in the real world, like Sean and Katie, uh, because Sean and Katie are at karaoke. Uh, leave, of course, leave it to Kelly to make that an important part of the film. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes. they sing Old Town Road. And so somebody's theory is that means that Lil Nas X survived the blip. Yeah. Because if you line up the timelines, the it snap. means he didn't get snapped. Yep, yep. And so I just I thought that was it's pretty important. entertaining. So <laughs> I really, and- well, I really liked that one, but I also liked that the mid credit scene was super efficient in all of the stuff that it did in that very brief amount of time so that then we could get the post credit scene where it turns out that Shang-Chi's sister is a warlord. War lady? War lady. Well, she, she was going to uh, disband the Ten Rings. But instead she just sort of like takes up the family business. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like Shaoling is a, as a character, I mean, like I could have talked the entire time about one, I could talk about Shaoling for the entire runtime of this too. Like the, oh, the, sure. the, 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 like staying away from, like the three stereotypical roles that, you know, for years have been what there was for Asian actresses, um, setting her up for something that continues to build on her as a character and, uh, obviously keep her in a morally gray area without leaning into those tropes. It just, it it was, it was a good note to end the movie on, 
um, mm-hmm. at the very end of the credits where we're not sure precisely what it is she is setting up. Like, is, is she just going to carry on the family business, her own version of the family business? We don't necessarily know. We might have some assumptions, but... Uh, yeah, we don't know. Are they going to become yeah. good mercenaries? Or are they going to be evil mercenaries? And you know what? what? I don't care because we I'm going to buy a ticket either way. Oh, yeah. There, there are a bunch of widows out there with no mercenary work to do. I wonder hmm. where they're going to find gainful employment. Hmm. Maybe that's one of the places <laughs> they could find such gainful employment. And she's got a uh, connection to the, the magical world of Talo now where her aunt lives and... <laughs> <laughs> like seeing actors like Tsai Chin playing playing Katie's grandma from she was in the Joy Luck Club and like Raymond Ma who's been a, in a billion different things as the as the gang boss uh, that uh, that that comes and, and kills the mom and stuff like uh, oh yeah Crazy Rich Asians was was great in a lot of different mm. ways when it came to representation getting a bunch of people on screen invisible roles and everything um, but one of the issues that I had with it and a lot of other people did was the other strata of society, like the working class, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, who, you know, we had a couple of working class people in the movie and then otherwise they were all aristocrats. Um, that's one of the things that, that I enjoyed the most when it came to just getting to see people being people, um, in this movie. Um, and on, on the Marvel comics representation side of things, the last thing I expected was an incredibly obscure Dr. Strange monster, as the central monster. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and I, like, I thought I thought they were doing Fin Fang Foom. And maybe what they're setting up is Fin Fang maybe. Foom. Maybe. Um, yeah. Because the <laughs> McLuhans are, uh, McLuhans, I don't know, I'm probably mispronouncing uh, the, the fake alien race that the giant dragon guy is, is, uh, is yeah, from. The monster is the message. That's a, that a double a double reference there. <laughs> the, the Fin Fang Foomians uh, are, are the ones that, in the comics lore, made the Ten Rings. So... Yeah, I, I would love for us to not be done with dragon stuff. Yeah, I, right. I'm, I'm never sure going to be not. tired of dragon. Well, we're stuff. not. It's a beacon. We don't know who it's calling. I was going to say you kind of want to save Fing Fang Foom. So for those who don't know, Fing Fang Foom is like a like a giant monster. <laughs> like it's a giant monster. Um, I I feel like they're saving that because of a couple of things. First, there's um there's agents of Atlas kind of characters out there floating around yeah um like jimmy woo and and also this movie genre wise this movie i feel like is not the place for the giant monster to to come but could marvel do a movie with a giant monster yeah absolutely i would love to see that movie but that's not tonally i felt like the flying dragon and the kind of cthulhu-esque horror monster was probably a good a better fit tonally Yeah. yeah Could could they combine a couple of characters to meet Fin Fang Foom? Sure. Mm, imagine. Make that into a thing. Yeah, it'd be weird if they had a, a, another Avengers I level know. team. How weird would that would, be? Wouldn't that be That's strange? That's crazy mm. talk. Wouldn't that be strange? I, uh, yeah, so this, uh, I got, I went into it just kind of like being hope, hoping it would be a good Marvel movie. And I came out of it thinking it was way better than I expected. That, that, yes. the, that fight scene in the beginning was just dynamite. And that uh, Simu Liu has a lot of charisma and is a, and Shang-Chi mm. is a fun character. And, and um, you know, my wife who, who watched all of Kim's convenience, uh, she's like, <laughs> Oh, Look, it's the guy. Uh, she, you know, it's that guy. It's the guy from Kiss Convenience. <laughs> uh, it it was, um, you know, I just I got those Iron Man vibes in the sense of like, it is a neat trick to take one of your 
like not even mid-tier, your C-level uh, intellectual property characters that has all this baggage and weird stuff that you're gonna you're gonna need to fix, and do such a good job of of turning it into a crowd pleaser where everybody comes out of it thinking, oh, we all know who Shang Chi is now. He's a, he's great, and like that is that is not easy. And so full on credit to uh, Destin Daniel Cretton who directed this and to the screenwriters. For and he he co-wrote it with Dave Callahan. Yeah, like yeah. full credit. It is a it is a very carefully constructed and well executed thing. And I I it's just it's I know Marvel succeeds with these things a lot, and I I don't want to say that it is easy for them to to do so because like I felt like the degree of difficulty in pulling this off was pretty high, and they did it. And so they deserve the credit for it. Like to take to take a, a hero nobody knows about, let alone cares about, and and make you care about him and set him up so that he can be part of Marvel's relentless parade of characters that you'll care about in many future movies. Like that's a, that takes a lot of hard work and you gotta do a good job and they did it. Like I, I, I couldn't be more impressed. Going back to when they announced just the title and that they were making this movie. When Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, it meant, A, they were making a Shang-Chi movie. B, they were doing something with the Mandarin. Mandarin, yeah. 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 Did we all not have that moment of like, are you sure you want oh, to are you Are, sure? are, you, are, you, are you serious? <laughs> yes. Um, and are, are you guys like, okay? I was, I was concerned. They announced oh. the creative team. Uh, of the various very talented actors on Kim's Convenience, Simu Liu isn't one of my favorites. Uh, I, I was kind of concerned, honestly. Um, because a lot of his charisma uh, arrives when he takes his shirt off, mostly. Um, <laughs> I can see you that. Know, look, yeah. uh, it's you know yeah. it's, it's been said. Um, and I am one hundred percent fine with that. <laughs> and I, you know he has kind of a broy demeanor, and I was concerned about that. And that's its whole uh, its own uh, whole other issue. But when it comes to the movie and the text as the text, uh, the movie the movie fires on all cylinders does everything that it was, it was going out to do. And I was, I was worried about it bugging me in some way or another. It didn't bug me in any of those ways that I was anticipating and handily outdid all of my expectations. And I was, I was going into this very, okay. Uh, what are they going to get wrong with this one? Right. And when they announced the casting of Tony Lung, I was like, well, if they screw it up now, (laughs) It's going to be even worse. It's, crime, it's yeah. like, because, yeah, I mean, when, when they announced that, I, I was like, really? How much money did you pay? <laughs> and that was literally all I thought. Everything in this movie was like that, though. Like, you know, yeah. we heard, like, it, you know, The Legend of the Ten Rings, like, really? really? And then, you know, and, and then, then you're like, Tony Long, and then, like, really? really? But also Aquafina. Really? The director very specifically said he wanted Tony Long for it. And, yeah. and and that they wrote it thinking this is going to be a complex character that he's going to want to play. And then he read it and he said, I'll do it. And they're like, okay, we're going to make it even more good stuff for him now that we've <laughs> cast him. Like they, they did enough to get him to say yes. And then they did more yeah. because they knew they had him. And you see it in the yeah. movie. Uh, but like, it's... don't let me down, right? You've cast this this guy. Don't let me down. And he does not. He is one of the great oh. Marvel villains. If you can... I. I mean, he's a villain, but like even so, he's sort of a tragic. He's not. 
He's not. He's not. He's not. He's 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 because the real villain is the monster behind the 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 scales That's in right. the cave. And, yeah, and he, who's who's compelling him to do yeah. to do all? Yeah, this. and it, it is. Mm-hmm. He has a tragic. It's a tragic fate, um, which he meets, which is another important thing. Talk about your Darth yeah. Vader, right? It, mm-hmm. is, yeah, he gets a moment to realize what has, is going on. He gets that moment. To, Take off my mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if the if the Star Wars industrial complex had left well enough alone and just been like, hey, the Darth Vader story is complete and it's great, oh. instead of going, yeah. we need to patch on more things and add more and more and more to it it it, like it it did no favors to the mystique and the mystery and the wonder of that character and where they left one woo i feel great about and i am so glad that i am not anticipating like the second movie is going to be like the young one woo adventures or something like that um like I'm, i'm not worried about them going back into that well like they just they gave me just enough of a drink of it that it was incredibly satisfying. And how do the rings work? I don't know. They're cool. They work yeah. really well, Jason. That's how <laughs> yeah. they work. Sometimes uh, they're they blue work great. Sometimes they're orange, and it's fine. It's they're just yeah, fun. Like you have that like force force versus flow argument that is entirely visual and mostly played out in the language of dance instead of yes. going and there's an ancient power called chi and now mulan will right no it doesn't magical yeah. chi right. they're powers. just they're magic rings and they're they're cool yeah how they work is immaterial and i didn't have to spend a whole bunch of time finding that out and in fact right. i think that's the beauty of the, sort of like those end scenes is the end scenes are like well you know shang chi you're you're nice and all We've seen your chest, <laughs> but the rings mean now you're a Marvel superhero. And he's like, "Yeah, I know it. I know that's what I am now." Uh, but like that, the the we we see him. He doesn't get the rings until the end of the movie, so it is his origin story in that mm-hmm. way. Um, yeah. But it's also like that's his leveling up where they can they can use that in future Marvel endeavors. But yeah, he's he. I mean, Hawkeye had a bow. Black Widow had stun sticks. Yeah, and <laughs> Shang Chi would have just been guy who knows kung he fu. He can punch. But he also has magic yeah. power rings now, so it's it's uh, the, the, it's okay. The, the, great. the big the big part of the climax of the movie that I want to touch on because uh, because we haven't uh, is Katie firing that one arrow that just happens to magically <laughs> yes. work. Yeah. I'm yes. totally fine with it. I'm 100 yeah. percent fine with it. Same. The movie earned that. Yeah. The movie earned yep. that level of faith from Absolutely. me. Where it's like, and so did Katie. It's a fantasy movie. Of course, there's a, of course Katie is allowed to be Jeez. Bo and fire mm-hmm. the one arrow that kills Small. Like Katie mm-hmm. also earned it. Like that yeah. was the other part that made it great. Yeah, she so, earned it. Yeah. She earned it. She's inspired by the death of her mentor. And they set that up by saying, you know, early on, you know, oh, you're smart. Why are you just a parking valet? You can you can do anything. You're super smart. You're you're really talented. And she is. If you watch that scene and all you can get out of it is, come on, that's how they're gonna resolve this, is that she fires an arrow and it and it kills the monster. Like, I don't know, you're not hooked up right, or clearly it wasn't working for you. Because like that's of course yeah. it's a it is a fantasy sequence with the flying dragon that was exactly how that was gonna work (laughs) and if your problem with that scene is aquafina and not the giant dragon that slept under the lake for a thousand years come on the the truth is you know we talk about things like the speed of plot and how spaceships and star wars travel at the speed of plot and all of that well this is the thing is that arrow is her emotional and character arc being resolved like that arrow isn't just a plot convenience. That arrow is earned by Katie. It's her plot to get to <laughs> resolution. Like it, it just all it, the yeah. way down. Exactly. So, so many good people in this movie. Just 
again, I'm boggled when I think of all the people that they got to be in this movie. Um, which, you know, Marvel comes knocking. I get it. They make billions and billions of dollars. But still, it is mind-boggling to have that movie where it's like, oh, yeah, sure. Why not Aquafina? <laughs> all right. Great. If you liked this movie and some of these people in it, may I recommend, yes, on the Stephen Chow front, Kung Fu Hustle, of course. Also, uh, God of, of Cookery. Much much less seen than Kung Fu Hustle. Uh, two Jackie Chan movies, Rumble in the Bronx, obviously, if you've never seen it. And if you haven't seen it in a long time, you should see it. Oh, I love it. it. But you've got to see Police Story 3, a.k.a. Super Cop, because Michelle Yeoh steals the whole damn movie. Oh, I've seen that one, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. And, and the, the Tony Leung double feature that, if you haven't seen Chunking Express or In the Mood for Love, those mm. are the two best of the best. But like just about anything that the guy's in, like yeah. the Infernal Affairs movies that he's in, which are what The oh, Departed was adapted yes. out of. Um, and there's so much he's, better. He's and, and th- well, and there's there's another Wong Kar Wai movie that he did much more recently where he plays Ip Man, um, very well known to people who saw Donnie Yen play him in the quadrilogy of those movies. Yes, it's called uh, the Grand Master, <gasps> and there are like four different cuts of it. Wait, what? There's All another. There's another Ip Man. Yeah, movie? I don't know. Yeah, it's called the Grand Master. It stars <gasps> Tony Leung mm-hmm. and uh, and Zhang mm-hmm. Ziyi's in it and a bunch of other people. You just made my day. I have to go now. I have a movie to watch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's wrap this up. It's so nice to have a new Marvel movie that was seen in the in the theaters to talk about with all of you. In the theater. And, and, and can, I, can I just say, I really want, I mean, you know, there are movies I want to see them do. and all. I want a Disney Plus series about Wong. Please. I just want a Wong series. Please. He just, please, it, please, It's please. episodic. He opens one of his little fiery yeah. circles and goes to an yes! interesting place every week. Sure. All right, let's wrap it up then. This was great. Let me thank my guests one last time before we say goodbye. Kelly Gamont, thank you for being here. Thanks, Jason. Don't die. Good tip. David J. Lohr, thank you. We could say goodbye or on a dark desert highway. Cooling <laughs> in my head. Good, good callback. Good callback. I'm very confused right now. What's happening? And Moises Chuyon, thank you. I, I, yeah, I don't have a line from the movie because I'm, I'm just thinking about obscure Stephen Chow. Okay, you just cut a bus in half. Do, is what do a flashback. Just do you a know. flashback. Uh, I'm going to get into my electric SUV powered by magic dragons and <laughs> zoom away. But uh, the summer of Spielberg, nope, it won't be coming back. We're going to talk about something completely different next no. week. Oh, no, ne- next year has to be summer of stunts, man. Oh. Then, then we can do all the movies oh. I want. <gasps> all right. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, I hope you've seen this movie. And if not, you'll see it on Disney Plus, and uh, then you'll know what the heck we were talking about. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Oh no, the bus is splitting up. The bus. Oh, no! no. In a mid-credit sequence, our bus falls apart. No, <laughs> bus. It's not from a fight. It's just a, a an ill-repaired yeah. bus. The maintenance on the Muni Ooh. is terrible, and the bus is falling apart. Oh no! Let me get my phone and put this on live streaming. <laughs> <laughs>